Welcome once again, Action Church. Uh, we are in uh, week three uh, of a series that we are calling Follow. Uh, and if you have missed uh, either one of the first two weeks, I'm gonna give you a brief recap uh, in just a moment, but I'd love for you to go on our website or YouTube and, uh, and check it out. I really believe this is a really important uh, series of messages coming out of Lights, Camera, Action and our Easter season where we really saw just hundreds, um, uh, over a thousand people this year, I think 1,500 to 2,000 people just this year have given their life to Jesus. And so there's so many, yeah. We celebrate that. Hopefully you're connected in a, in a small group or a team. We're gonna talk about that today, but really thought it was uh, very important that we talk about what it means to uh, follow Jesus. Maybe it's your first time following him or maybe at Easter you checked that B box, you, you began again and, and you wanted to really understand what it means to be a, a true disciple or a follower of Jesus. I'm gonna go back to the table uh, for a little intro and recap. If you remember re uh, week one, uh, I, I wore a pair of Crocs on platform, never been more insecure on this platform in my entire life because uh, I did not want you to think that that was uh, something I would normally do. Now, I have become a big fan of Crocs. I love me some Crocs right now, uh, but they're, they're, not, they're not functional in every uh, environment. You know what I mean? They have holes in them. Like you came in today, come on to our, our service. Maybe it was raining at, at one of our locations or at all of our locations. You, your feet would have been wet. You know what I mean? But these are great when it's uh, in certain seasons. They're great when it's hot outside. You got a little AC, got some holes in them. Come on, you can go into sport mode or like to call four-wheel drive. These things are very, very versatile and useful. There's a time though, probably on action platform or a business gathering or a nice dinner with a significant other that you probably shouldn't wear Crocs. You should probably take off the Crocs. You should put on a, a real shoe. Week one, I exchanged the Crocs. I put on the, the follow shoes, really representing that we can no longer settle for a recreational faith. That Crocs are a recreational shoe and we can no longer settle for a recreational faith. That we need a functional or a foundational Faith. We've been using Matthew 16, and we'll use it today as a theme verse for these four weeks. It says, then Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Making sure you're awake. Jesus said to the disciples, hopefully that, that's me and you, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. And we talked about that week one. We have to surrender uh, our way to God's way. Take up your cross, that's our, our purpose, uh, the plan he has for us in this context, and follow me, that we're called to follow Jesus. We talked about that week one. Uh, last week, we talked about the word of God and we'll recap, recap that in just a moment. But I really wanna highlight that theme verse again today. I think it's important that we are learning to follow Jesus. And today, we're gonna talk about following Jesus in the context of healthy relationships, both our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with others. How many of you know that it's just, it's just better to do life with the right people? Like, you know, you, you and I, come on in, in all of our locations, you know, you, you and I, don't raise your hand right here because it could be weird. You and I get really weird when we get alone. Come on. You get alone in your thoughts. You can think some weird things. Come on, people spend too much time alone. You're like, man, you, you need to get out more. You know what I mean? Some of y'all have been in a show hole or a, or a mainstream media hole or just by yourself. And it's just, it's a, it's a weird place to be. You, you are better with healthy people. But we always think, man, if I just got rid of everybody in my life, maybe it'd be better. Remember Kevin from Home Alone? He thought if everybody just left, I'd be better. He woke up and he was partying and he was dancing and he was putting the aftershave on his face and he was eating the mac and cheese. He was ordering pizza and playing the, that video, you filthy animal. You remember all of that? Like you, 
You remember, there was a point in the movie where Kevin was like, I just want my mom and my dad and my brothers and sisters who, who I thought I hated before, I want them back. Like, it's better to do life together. Remember Home Alone 2? Very underrated film. Maybe the best sequel of all time. I'm not throwing it out there. I'm just saying, could be great movie. Little bit of a hole that he got left alone twice. Come on, that, that child services should have been called the second time. You know what I mean? Like, first time, we get it. Second time, you go somewhere without your kid. You, remember how he got left alone the second time, though? They're in the airport, and he's playing with his tickets. He's playing with his, his, his talk man, and he's trying to, he's trying to get uh, it situated. He looks up, and there's nobody around him. He's alone. Then off in the distance, he sees what he thinks is his father, same jacket, same outer coat, same similar hair. Remember, he follows, him, he follows him and he sprints and he gets to the terminal right at the end and he finds out what? It's not his dad. Not, not as many Home Alone 2 fans here in this service as before. Going somewhere South Orlando's following me. He followed the wrong man. He missed the flight. Now he's left alone in New York uh, again. He, he did not follow the right person Simply put, with this silly home alone analogy, be careful, be careful who you're following. Because you may end up where they're going and not where God has you going. And relationships are foundational for our faith. Your relationship with God, but those people that you surround yourself with are foundational for you and I to live a functional faith. And I wanna give you three types of relationships today. On this journey, we need three types of relationships and I wanna put them in three separate contexts for our time together. We need a center, like a foundation. We need a center for our life. We need a circle and we need a sphere. We need a center, we need a circle, and we need a sphere. Write this down if you're taking notes. The first thing we need, our center is Jesus. Amen. Our center has to be Jesus. That's what the whole series is about, but, but I'm just gonna keep saying it. It sounds simple, but you and I don't get it. We want Jesus to be a part of our life, but not the center of our life. We, we want his way and our way. And I'm here to tell you, relationship with Jesus has to be the central theme of your life. We talked about it week two, with the word of God, we're gonna talk about next week in week four with the presence of God, specifically about prayer, that the, the word of God and the presence of God are foundational in our life. Remember Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a, and a light unto my path, that we need the word of God to light up our, our path. So we have to be planted in the word of God, planted in the truth from the word of God. Remember last week we talked about the, the word planted like it's gonna produce life planted in the truth of the word of God, that the word read is gonna produce some conviction, that the word uh, uh, prayed is gonna produce some peace, the word praised or sang is gonna produce some perspective. Come on, you may not know this, but time in God's presence, specifically in praise and worship, if we will allow it, will always change our perspective because we're placing that value on God. The truth studied produces some wisdom and we need that. Too many of us settle for a recreational faith even with the word of God. We read it, we sing it, we pray it. All foundational pieces, all great. But if we don't get to number four and five, we really are missing some of the depth of our relationship with God. We have to study the word of God. Like, what does it mean for me? And what, what is this context? I need to dive in and get some wisdom from the word of God. And then last week, number five, we talked about the, the word, the word uh, applied, the truth applied produces life. 
that we can do all of those things and prioritize the word of God. But if we don't apply what we're reading and studying and praying and praising, it doesn't change anything. Come on, we use the sunscreen analogy. If you don't put the spray on, it does no good in the can. And we have got to build our center around Jesus. That's by applying the word of God and getting into prayer. I wanna go back and read Luke's gospel, making Jesus the center of our life. If Jesus is not the center of every relationship, I'm trying to, to make sure we get this because we don't need to go on to point two and three if we don't make a decision that Jesus is gonna be the center of our life. This is the foundation. And I wanna read from Luke's gospel, chapter five. It'll sound similar because it's the same story read week one. See, there's four gospels in the New Testament, four accounts, four uh, testimonies of Jesus' life and his ministry that we find in the Gospels. And this story was found in Matthew chapter four, but it's in Luke five as well. And I think there's a couple of things that we can bring out of Luke's uh, account of this that I think will help us continue to make Jesus the center of our life. This is one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in to listen to him teach the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it back into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Most scholars believe that the crowds would have gotten so big that Jesus' teaching would have been so life-giving and profound and, 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 and life-changing. So many people were there that the crowd could no longer see him. So he pushed out in the water to get a better perspective. So he used Peter's boat. Hey, can I borrow your boat? Now he's teaching from the water, basically to this amphitheater or this stadium seating or this auditorium of people on the shore. He's, he's making room for a, a bigger audience. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse five, master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. Let's stop there. I just, I just pretend, come on, let's jump into the story. I just pretend I'm Peter there. Master is, is, is like respectfully sarcastic. You know what I mean? Like, like Peter's like, hey, bud, um, I, I really appreciate the career change you just went through because we're early in Jesus' ministry. Right? He's just calling the 12 apostles, right? Like, hey, you know, you, you kind of done this carpenter thing for like 30 years. Now you're, you're into this ministry and preaching things. Super, yeah, super proud of you. Good job. Like, it seems like it's working. Like, crowds are here. Like, but, but don't tell the fishermen how to fish. Like, we spent all night working. And if we're not careful, we're too much like Peter that we pick and choose what advice we want from Jesus. Like, hey, Jesus, thank you for your ministry thing, but this is my business. Wow. This is my life. We know we gotta surrender our way to God's way. I picture too much like Peter just making excuses to Jesus. He's like, hey, I wasn't asking a question. I was given a command. Remember, Jesus doesn't really ask questions or, or give you and I room for very much feedback. He just kind of tells us what to do. He says, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. See, I love Peter. Peter's first response, like me. my first response is never great, but I always get there in the end. Like Peter's like, hey, but okay, Jesus, if you want me to. And this time their nets were full of fish. So full, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, Please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed 
Jesus. Jesus came into their situation and he said, hey, I'm gonna need you to lay down your nets and, and follow me. And I just want to make sure today that we're still on the same page, that wherever Jesus is asking us to go, he is our center. Like he is who we're following. It's not like, hey, Jesus, come over here. Like too many of us, especially in a Western mindset, a Western Christian mindset, we're the center of our story. And you're not. Well, you may think you are. And if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, you are. But the problem with being the main character in the story is one day you have to answer for everything that you've done. But when Jesus is the center, and Jesus is the main character. What he did on the cross and his resurrection, it takes that place. Jesus has got to be the, the center of our life. We gotta, we gotta follow Jesus. Here's the second one, write this down. Our circle, our circle is next. So we need to center our relationship with Jesus. Our circle, we gotta follow Jesus as the center. Our circle is we gotta follow people. Come on, catch this, it's real simple. We gotta follow people who have been where we're going or are wanting to go where we're going. Let's say this way, we're gonna follow people who have been or are wanting to go where we are going. It sounds simple, but we don't do it. Come on, we, we, want, we want to know how you feel. We want to know opinions. We want people to tell us what we, but we don't want people challenging us or shaping us or correcting us. Our, our circle, it, it matters. Let me read it from, from uh, the book of, um, of Proverbs chapter 11. It says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. Talk about that in just a moment when it comes to leaders and mentors. There's safety in, in numbers. There's safety in getting multiple opinions. Write this down in your circle. We need great leaders in our circle. We need great leaders in our circle. Come on, we're, we're following them. How many of you want to make sure if you're following somebody, they've actually been where you're going? That's a great first step. Wait a second, have you been here before? No? Okay, pause. Second question, do you have directions to where we're going? Like, do we, do we have, are we going to the same place? Come on, have you ever showed up to a restaurant and you get there and you're like, hey, where are you? They're like, I'm sitting down. You're like, no, no, I'm sitting down. You went to two different locations for the same restaurant and you, you wasted your lunch break because you didn't have a clear expectation of they knew where they were going because they've been there before or you and them agreed on this is our destination. Our circle has to be full of people that have either been there before or at least at the bare minimum want to go the same way we're going. When it comes to leaders though, we've got to pick the right mentors in our life. Like, do you want what they have or what they want? I've said this probably once a year for the seven years of our church. Stop accepting criticism from somebody that you would never take advice from. It's so simple, but it's so good. And I do it. We all do it. Like, we have family members or we have people that we love or that, that love, like they, and we, people in our, in our circle that are like criticizing and tearing you down, but you're like, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna allow you to do that anymore because I don't want anything that you have. Like if I've got an apple and it's got wormholes in it and it's bruised and it's rotten and I'm like, here, have some of my apple. You're like, oh God. The Bible calls our actions the fruit that we produce. 
Like if their fruit is unhealthy, don't eat it. But we eat the criticism, we eat the negativity, and we eat the trauma, and we eat the manipulation. We accept criticism for someone we never accept advice from. Like just, we gotta pick the right people to, to have around us. Hebrews 13, verse seven says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Let's just take a moment and remember how thankful we are for those that teach the word of God. Y'all gotta get that later. I thought, I, thought it was, I thought like that was even like good comedic timing. Apparently it wasn't. Somebody at Sanford or South really appreciated that. I'm kidding. But seriously, like a thank you card and gift cards are always accepted. Um, think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith that we need to have leaders. And it's not just pastors and preachers. It's grandmothers and grandfathers and moms and dads and coworkers and small group leaders. Like just remember the people that invested in your relationship with God because our center has got to be Jesus, but our circle has got to be full of people that have been where we want to go or are pushing us to get there. We need great leaders in our life. But I love back at Proverbs 11, there's safety in many advisors. I need to tell you today that you probably won't get through this life well following just one mentor. Like I haven't met one yet that could give me everything I need in every area of life. Like we need different types of mentors. Come on, you need somebody that you just really value and appreciate their relationship with God. When they pray, you get saved. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Like you just, sometimes you get distracted by their worship posture. Like you, they, are, they are all in. Like they're not half in. Like they are in, in. Like I, what, what, what is God saying to you that he's not saying to me? Like the fruit of their life, their small group, their, their knowledge of God's word. You need mentors in the faith. You need mentors in your family. And that may not be the same person. Come on, I watched how you raised your kids. Can I buy you a cup of coffee or take you out to dinner? I, I, need, to, I need some help with my family. Maybe you're starting a business in here or, or looking for a new career path, maybe offering to, to take somebody out to lunch or to dinner or, or say, hey, you know, can we, can we connect after service? I, I, need, I need mentors in this area of my life. Could be different areas. I've also found when it comes to leaders in our life or mentors, some are relational and some are informational. Like there are relational mentors. There are people that are discipling, discipling you personally, maybe a team leader or a small group leader or, or, or a family friend or somebody in your family, a mother or a father. Like it's relational. But some of our mentors, come on, catch this, can be informational. It's 2021. You can be mentored from somebody you've never met. Come on, some of my greatest mentors are on podcasts or books. You're like, can a book be a mentor? They just wrote everything they knew about that topic. They're your mentor. Take some notes. Read, apply. You know, we can be mentors. We need great leaders in our life. I want to camp out on this next one, our circle. Talking about our circle. Again, Jesus is a center, but we're, we're building this circle. Without a center, there is no circle. Come on, a little geometry lesson. You got to have a center. Circumference, diameter. Come on, draw this. Come on, compass. I got a C in geometry, but you're welcome. I just helped the ninth grader right there. <laughs> it's important that we have a center to make a circle, but the circle has got to be full of healthy leaders. And the second one, healthy friends. We need great peers in our circle. We need great friends. People that will help us. People that know us. That will push us. When you ever been to a, a, a fancy dinner, like at a really nice place? Come on, you don't... 
you know you need a friend when you get there. Come on, I'm talking about the ones where you're overwhelmed by what's on the table. I was at a restaurant recently. They took the plate that was sitting there when I got there away without ever putting any food on it. It was a decorative plate. <laughs> somebody, somebody cleaned that, washed that, took it away, washed it again, and we didn't do anything with it. You know you're at a nice place when they have, like, they have plates and utensils that you don't even use. And I'm gonna be real honest, I only use about half the silverware out there. Anybody else, you know what I mean? Like, you need a great friend because you gotta watch. Like, what is this little fork for? Is it a baby? It's a baby fork. Maybe they use this fork to fork off the other fork. I have no idea. <laughs> Come on. And you're waiting for somebody to grab their water because you're like, I don't know which one's my water, my wine glass. Which one is my bread plate? Is it left or is it right? Like, I'm just gonna wait for somebody else to do it. And then you start following somebody. Come on. Your friend, and, and then about halfway dinner, you realize they've never been to a place like this before either, and you're both just all over the place. Like, I drank your water and your wine. I think this is your fork. I don't really know. I'm so sorry. At this place, a, a waiter always comes. Come on, catch this. A waiter always comes and offers recommendations. And we listen to them, and we're like, oh, this sounds great. You get it. You're like, this is disgusting. You know why? Because that waiter has no idea who you are. They're making their recommendations. Your friend who's been there before or who knows your likes and your interests, that if they've been to that restaurant, there's nothing better than going to a great restaurant with somebody who's been there before. You're like, oh, you have to try this. Man, I know you, you're gonna love this. Man, stay away from this. And we take all these recommendations from people that don't know us, that don't belong in our circle. Like you're not, in my, you're not my center and you're not in my circle, therefore you should not speak into my path in life. So here's my question. Who do you need to add to your circle? Who do you need to add to your circle? Faith mentor, family mentor, business mentor, encouraging friend, a confrontational friend. Who do you need to add to your circle? Here's the most important question in this message today. Who do you need to remove from your circle? Who no longer belongs? Because when you traded out recreational for foundational and you said, I'm following Jesus, they just don't quite fit into the plan that God has for you. There are people that are in your circle that are hurting you. And I just need you to know that there's a perspective we should have as believers and we should know that hurting people hurt people. So we should not hate them or seek vengeance. But just because hurting people hurt people doesn't mean that we have to allow them to do that by choice. When people break you down and break your heart and break your trust, I wanna give you permission today to put a little break in your circle and invite them out of it. You're not here anymore. I wanna kindly ask you to leave my circle because that new boundary without them in it will prevent you from future breakdowns. You're no longer in the circle. Jesus is my center. I've got a circle of great leaders and great friends, but you have disqualified yourself from being in my circle. Here's what Proverbs said, Proverbs 11. It says this, it says, your kindness, here's how to do it. This is so important. Don't catch the first part and miss this part. Your kindness will reward you. Not asking you to be ugly to people, 
I'm not asking you to lose your witness with people. Your kindness will reward you. Check out the second statement. It hit me so hard. But your cruelty will destroy you. We think our cruelty is going to destroy them. But our anger and our bitterness and our cruelty really just destroys us. We got to invite them out. We got to invite them out the right way. We need great peers in our circle. You know, this circle concept is really important for our church too. It's not just great leaders, great peers, inviting people in, inviting people out. We, we've got to, come on. Jesus has got to be our center first and foremost, but we've got to be a church that does life in circles. Because a church is just rows until you find a circle. An action you can hide in a row. Everybody's looking forward. You could be sound asleep and nobody would know it. You, everybody's looking up here right now. Two, two people down from you snoring. Now you may hear it, but you're like, where are they? Dear God, get them a breathing machine and a coffee. Stat. You could be hiding in a row. Nobody knowing that you're sleeping or that you're struggling because everybody's attention is forward and there's, there's, there's a, a time and a place. It's where we start as a church. It's where we start in relationships. It's where we start in our faith journey that we're, we're listening to Jesus preach and we're listening, but then once we make him our center, we have got to surround that center in a circle of relationships. And Action Church at its current size and as it continues to grow, Action Church will always be too big if you just sit in the rows. Come on, nobody's looking at you in a row. You, some of you are comforted by that. You're like, man, I just, I got into this like new, this is, I think this is like contemporary worship. Like I'm not real sure, but I just, I raised my hand last week and thank God I was not in a circle because like my worship posture is like about right here. About right here, remember that? This was me. Like for, I remember the first time, like 19 years old, like the worship, I'm, I'm praising God and raise your hands is a sign of surrender. It's just releasing control. It's not a weird thing, but you're like right here, like you're just kind of releasing control. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> like one hand in the pocket. And somebody looks at you you're like, no, I'm just, just, I don't know what that was. Something on my hand. You can hide in that row, but when you get in that circle, I'm looking at you face to face. And I'm like, how are you doing? How is life? How are your kids? What is God teaching you? When is the last time that you surrendered something to God? When is the last time that you prayed God? It's in a circle. Because the church was never be a place to come and spectate. It was a place that people were needed and known that there's a need for you because the body of Christ is not completed action church without you playing your part. A place that you could be known, like your, your feelings, your emotions, your life. Our circle is so important. Here's the last one, write this down. Our center is Jesus. Our circle is, is people, following people who have been there before or want to go or going. Our sphere, our sphere of influence is to find others and invite them to follow. See, we can't take this discipleship series and then make it a church all for church people. Come on, if you don't read the Word of God and study the Word of God and pray the Word of God and preach the Word of God and much more planting and producing and a lot of alliteration and a lot of church stuff, then you can't fit in my world. 
Like our discipleship has to change something in us, has to filter through us and then be lived out with other people. Our circle has to become our sphere. Our circle has to produce us to go out and reach our sphere of influence. A circle is two-dimensional. But a sphere is three-dimensional. A, a sphere is what gives, gives us our shape. It gives us our, our purpose. It's to know God and to make him known. Our life will never go from 2D to 3D until we make it about other people. Like our discipleship is supposed to be a funnel. I picture it this way. We come in the top. It's easy. It's fun. We're in a row. I'm so excited. I'm in the funnel. Checked B. Got parked at the new here tent. Free cup of coffee. Everybody's still excited to meet me. They don't really know me yet. They're just excited. Come on. First date type of feel. Honeymoon phase. Start working our way down that funnel. Gets a little more pressure. A little more tight. When we get through the end of that funnel, we, we, should, we should look like what, what God wants us to look like. We're funneled into a disciple, a follower of Jesus. But if we're not careful, we'll just stay there. Let me say it this way. Our, our, our discipleship model is a funnel for fellowship and followership. Don't know if that's a word. Just sounded preachy in the moment. A funnel for followership, not a tunnel for tourists. Where our discipleship just keeps us on the outside or in the darkness where we're never reaching anybody else. We just got this tunnel vision of me and I. And let me say it this way. Matthew 9 says it way better. Let's, 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 let's close with this thought. Sphere, our sphere of influence. Matthew 9, uh, verses 9 through 13. This is Jesus calling Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Let me just pause for a second. I'm reading this today because a lot of us can't relate with Peter or James or John. But if you don't find yourself in their story, everybody can relate to Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. You've never been as hated as Matthew. Matthew was a Jewish man representing Rome who was ruling over the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, the people of Israel. He was taking their money and more than likely stealing from them. Their own kind, stealing from them for somebody else. Hated. Jesus comes up to Matthew, not in seminary, not qualified. Follow me and be my disciple. That's an open invitation to anybody that's been hated or mistreated or made mistakes or stolen anything. Jesus said to him, be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus' disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. You see what just happened there? He made Jesus a sinner. He said, I'm a tax collector, probably pretty wealthy, but you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up my own way. We read that earlier. Give up my own way. I'm gonna pick up my cross and I'm gonna follow Jesus. Matthew left the things of the world behind and he followed Jesus. Now we had a new circle. James and John, Peter, Andrew, Bartholomew, Thaddeus. New circle. 
new way of thinking, new plan, new direction. But guess what he did after he found his center in a circle? He went back to his fear. He didn't leave them behind. He said, hey, these other tax collectors, they need to meet this Jesus guy that I just met. Later, Matthew invited them, disreputable sinners, verse 11. When the Pharisees, the religious people saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Can I just remind you, everyone is someone that Jesus died for. Can we stop? Like literally stop judging people that sin differently than us. Who are those scum? They said. When Jesus heard this, he said this. I love, I just think, I just, I just read Jesus with a little sarcastic tone. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've never gotten mad at somebody for being physically sick. You? Come on. You broke your arm. I hate you for your cast. (laughs) I have a headache. Have I ever gotten mad at anybody with a headache? Except a husband if it happens too often, you know what I mean? <laughs> Come on, that's funny. They're like, can he say that in church? I just did, get over it. <laughs> Ever got mad at anybody that got diagnosed with cancer? Can't believe your hair's falling out. But yet, as Christians, we get mad at people that are sick spiritually. We get mad at their symptoms, mentally sick, spiritually sick. I can't believe you're showing symptoms, they're sick. That's what sick people do, they have symptoms. Religious people, Pharisees, sit back and judge people for their symptoms. Followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus don't invite sick people into their circle, but they keep them as the focal point of their sphere. That's the boundary. That's the revelation that I can't can't invite you to be the center of my life because if you make a sick person the center of your life, they will destroy you. And if you keep a sick person in your circle, they will distract you from God's best, but that should never mean they're out of your sphere because God's love was meant for them too. Not gonna respond with cruelty, but with kindness. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. What he means is what I said a couple weeks ago. It's about our posture, not always our performance. The Pharisees and church people always wanna offer sacrifices and perform. God say, no, it's about your mercy. It's about your posture. They may need to be out of your circle this week, but how you do it and how you show mercy and how you walk that out, God may want them out of your circle, but still in your sphere because he has a plan for their life. He may use, he may use getting them out of your circle to bring them into relationship with him. For I have not come to call, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's where I wanna leave today. I, I want every head bowed, every eye closed, every location. Jesus come not for those who think they have it all together, but he's come for those that know 
they are sinners. And what I know right now is the presence of God is speaking that to you. He's letting you know right now that today is your day of salvation. Today is the day where Jesus meets you right here. Come on, you are collecting taxes. Tax collector, thief, sinner. And today Jesus is saying, no, 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 no more. Come into relationship with me. Hey, check this out. Many of us have had seasons, I've been there before, where Jesus was in our circle, but he wasn't the center. And that's not salvation. Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. He is called to be the center of our life. So you need to recommit your life today and say, Jesus, uh, thanks for being in my circle, but I know that you're foundational. You gotta be the center of my life. That's you. And you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today for the first time or for the first time in a long time. I'm gonna give you an opportunity, opportunity in just a moment. It's really important that you understand the decision that you're making. You're surrendering control to Him. The Son of God who lived a perfect life for you so He could die a sinner's death as you, like in your place. His life had to be lived perfect to reconcile an unholy people with a holy God. The perfect sacrifice of Jesus, the substitute He was for you and for me, gave us that exchange. Our mistakes for His right standing, His righteousness. The cross gives us access to grace and forgiveness. The resurrection is important that Jesus was raised from the dead because it gives us victory over sin in the grave. The death has lost its finality. God gave us free will. He gives an opportunity. Romans 10 says it like this, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that He is Lord. When we believe that the power of the living God raised Jesus from the dead, we can be saved. What does that mean? We're surrendering control. Simply put, I'm no longer the center of my life, Jesus is. So come on, all of our locations today, if you want to make Jesus the center of your life, would you raise your hand right where you are? Say, I need Jesus to be the center of my life. We got one, two, three, four, five, six. Come on, seven, eight, nine here. A few more in the stadium on the left. Got you in the middle back there. A couple more on the right side. See you. Yep, right there in the corner. Come on, Sanford. Oviedo. So I'm in South Orlando right now, raising your hand, saying, Jesus is gonna be the center of my life. Well, maybe somebody online worshiping with us right now, he's been in your circle, but right now, you're gonna make him the center. You're recommitting your life. Come on, raise your hand, even right where you are. Proud of you. Put your hands down in all of our auditoriums and online. Praise in your heart as I pray out loud. Say this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you. I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. I'm giving you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. God, I pray for all of us. I pray this week that we make Jesus the center of every situation. God, build our, our circle the right way with great leaders and great friends. Give us divine relationships with new people to add in those areas. And then God, give us the courage and the boldness to, to remove some people in the right way. Give us the grace and the humility to do it in the right way. Set healthy boundaries for people that are hurting us. And then God, as individuals and as a church, let us never forget that this discipleship process, this following Jesus always ends 
with us finding more people to invite to follow. Let us reach, serve, and love our sphere this week so that more people can join this journey of following Jesus. We love you. We praise you in this place. Everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all the decisions? Come on, really celebrate them.